0: Hey guys, this is Lindsay Schnorr. Welcome to my podcast, Known to be Known. I want to inspire you to wonder and question and think for yourself rather than tell you what to think as we go on a journey to get to know God. I'd like to suggest that God's desire was never to get you to heaven, but to get heaven through you. And that he actually gave us this answer to what eternal life looks like in John 17:3, saying that eternal life is this, that we would know God as the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. You see, he gave us an endgame and a timeline, relationship forever. I believe that as we get to know him, he's made known through our lives and evangelism, you know, sharing the gospel, actually looks and sounds a lot like you and your life. You ready for an adventure? Let's go. Okay, pilot episode, known to be known. First question is always, who is this chick? What's her background and why should I be interested? (laughs) So that's where we're going to start. My name's Lindsay Schnorr. I am located in Solon, Iowa, right in the heartland of the United States. No, I'm not a farmer. I am an incredibly good housewife and mom of two incredible kids, my son Braden and my daughter Keaton. Man, I am parenting a high schooler and a preteen. Lord help me. Um, I've been married to my husband Marcus for uh, 17 years. And we are just doing life and getting to know the Lord in our own unique ways while actually like doing it in a totally human manner, Um, not perfect. But also not letting imperfection keep us from going after what God has promised us, and we will delve into that in later episodes because I do want you to know a little bit about me and why this is where I'm at right now. So, um, was born in Cedar Rapids, not far from here. I'm sure many of you guys are gonna know these towns, and uh, grew up from a family that were Christians. They Everybody that I've known in my family, in my history, knows Jesus. So a part of my story does not involve like a big transitionary moment of, of coming to Christ. But in my traditional background, in the way that I was raised, the disconnect was that I have experienced some really crazy things in life, and there was no grid, there was no context within the traditional church that I grew up in, which left me... Um, alone and seeking answers and validity often in life. And when I say these crazy experiences, I'm talking like angels, um, seeing things that other people couldn't see, hearing things other people couldn't hear, radical dreams, and all of that being a part of my my normal um, and nobody really having a grid for it. And quite frankly, not being comfortable talking about it either. And then as I became an adult and was connected with other people that had like experiences, I finally found context for the way that I was put together, that I wasn't alone, I wasn't crazy, and actually might have a a voice to invite other people into a narrative of saying, you're not the only one. And you being who you are is really cool and actually displays attributes and characteristics of a creator. Okay. So for the formative part of my, my growing up years, I grew up in a traditional church and man, we knew a lot about God. Went to Wednesday night studies, um, were a part of small groups. My, my mom and dad were always in a leadership position, whether it was teaching or deacons or treasure. My church was like my secondary home. My sister and I knew how to bust into the kitchen and get cookies while the sermon was going. We had hiding places in almost every part of the church. Um, I rented McGee and Me and you you name it in the in the Christian movie library. Um, like two, three times a week. Veggie was awesome when it came out. Um, and I could walk back and forth to church. It, w- it was a safe spot. Like that, it was my jam. And then I hit preteens and started experiencing, um, quite frankly, a lot of really de- demonic stuff. And here's where many of you I'm aware are going to go, okay, but really? Yeah, well, you can't argue with experience. So I'm, I'm far past people being able to accept the things that I've experienced. So I just tell you, and you can trash what doesn't work, and you can actually start to question the areas that, that maybe are pulling at something in your brain that you knew were there. But I had a, a long stint of not being able to sleep at night because I would have these demonic entities come into my room, sit on my chest, um, choke me out. And I almost nightly would run as fast as I could, you guys, until I graduated high school, to my mom and dad's room where there was a pillow and a blanket that I would sleep next to my dad. And for whatever reason, I was safe being on the floor next to my father, which is, you know, I'm going to digress a lot too, a really cool metaphor for for later on in life that the covering of my dad keeps me safe. And that's the same with my my eternal father. But I go I go through all these like crazy... Demonic episodes. Um, My parents never questioned it. Uh, My parents have also been gifted to have similar experiences. So I was not ever thought of being crazy. But again, our church was not like the place that I could go and have conversations about these things that were going on because it just didn't have a grid. Um, I went through some really uh, hardcore depression and suffered from a serious eating disorder. Um, that was something that I would go on to face for almost a decade and in, in a deep desire for, I believe now belonging that I just couldn't fit in. And I had fed into the narrative that I was hearing in my mind that I was, I was too much. I was too deep. Um, I was unrelatable. I was, I was crazy um, people didn't like me. Like I know now was this narrative of, of a real live person that wanted to kill and destroy everything about who I was. Um, but wasn't aware of that and, um, did not finish out two years of high school because of, uh, essentially nervous breakdowns and, in the midst of all this, I, I was an extremely talented singer, vocalist, um, a, a great dancer, great actress. I was a triple threat, beautiful young woman, and literally had no idea about any of these things because there was an onslaught of attack at all times by because of either intimidation, assumption, or complete lack of relationship. And I again, my formative years in high school, just, it was very difficult. It's not something I look fondly back on. And, um, I can see the faithfulness of God, even when I wasn't fully understanding at that point of, of his capacity of, of where he was in relation to me. Um, I say often that if I were to tell you what I thought then versus what I know now, I thought God was in like, his office a billion light years away that I had access to, but I had to be patient and knock on the door when it was really important so I didn't disturb him. And he would for sure open the door and I could get onto his lap, but I needed to be respectful and and aware of the importance of what God was doing. And I quite frankly had put the importance of everything in my life about as far down the list as possible. And Let's see, fast forward to college. I went on scholarship to Iowa State University, uh, got a spot on the dance team, um, joined a sorority uh, because I was really terrible at making friends and my parents thought that would be an excellent idea. (laughs) They would laugh too listening to this right now. This is not a shot against anything. It's just laughable for who I am and my personality. I was literally being ripped between three different worlds, and did didn't even have the overflow to do one of them right. So I get to the university. I'm in music college, which is so intense for anybody out there. Crazy intense. Like I would say, it's the engineering of the creatives. Was also on dance team, which was equally as intense because they wanted to serve excellence, which I'm a huge proponent of. And then I was in the Greek system that was also intense. And each one of them wanted to be the priority in my life. And with an already completely fractured foundation of identity, it broke me. And about a year and a half in, I sat down with this lovely, lovely teacher. His name was Dr. Prater. I don't even know where he's at anymore, but I remember he looked at me and he looked at me like a grandfather and he doesn't even know probably that he did this, but the words that he used, and I can't remember them, but he released me from all the expectation that was on my life at that point. And he said, if you need to go, then go. And um, it, it happened quite quickly. The one thing I can say, as broken as I was back then, I was extremely self-sufficient and very good at getting things done. So I transferred my credits, um, declined my um, scholarship, and transferred to the University of Iowa without hardly telling anybody, even my dad at the time. Went and got a job and a apartment and took care of it because I figured if anybody was going to be disappointed, I wasn't going to make them pay for it. I I would assume I'd assume the debt, which again, if you're following this narrative, this is a lot of, I, this is a lot of Lindsay, right? Lindsay that knew God, that knew Jesus, but Lindsay that was operating out of it, all of this burden, this, this weighty weighty burden was constantly being carried. And College was actually fine from that point on. Went to Iowa City. Again, don't have like some massive like rabbit hole into sin or anything. But I still was really struggling with this sense of of belonging. And um, ended up meeting my husband. We got married right out of college. Had babies immediately after. Um, had some really radically cool things happen. Um was able to build two businesses with a close friend in my early 20s, little young women that went and um, with the help of an incredible support system of investors built these these really cool businesses. So I tell this story and there was definitely some really cool things like signs of favor and destiny and purpose and everything. But I was so depressed and ultimately kept struggling with this rabbit wheel of eating disorders and depression and and deep sense of, of just sadness. And I want to say, man, if I can remember years, like 2015, um, I was at my business managing with my friend. And this gentleman came through to look at it for possibly renting, uh, for his church on Sundays. And, (laughs) uh, this gentleman ends up being a very influential person in my life, but was a pastor of an assemblies of God church. And I love this you guys, because I came from the traditionalist background. I was taught that the assembly of God people were crazy. They were nuts and not to trust them. (laughs) And I laugh even again, looking at how God intersected in my life, that this guy walks in looking around and a uh, total prideful, arrogant young traditionalist Lindsay walks up to this man and starts firing off questions about his theology and asking asking for his reasoning behind the church. And quite frankly, where I was at is I was protecting my my business from some weirdos coming in to rent it. And God's plan was to completely wreck me with who he really was by introducing me to this guy. And fast forward, same man that had come to our business to look at it, to rent for the church. I end up at that church, which is even a deeper story that maybe we'll get into that at some point because it's a cool story too, which I will probably say all the time, by the way, because my life is so many cool stories. I get to this church I'm in their worship session. There's a band and lights and it's dark. And all of a sudden I start to feel what I knew was God. I I knew it. And I, I have vague memories of being there and being safe and secure and knowing this is where I'm supposed to be. I remember I came home really excited, but was pretty sure my husband was going to be like, absolutely, no, we're not doing that. And then being shocked that he said, yeah, he would be completely interested in going to this church. Because side note, we had both gotten bored with the traditionalism of of church on Sundays being dead. What I can say, it didn't feel like there was presence. There, there was a an agenda And we talked about God, and then it was done, and we came back next Sunday and did the same thing, and it was done and came back next Sunday and did the same thing. And there's for sure good things about this church, but it was not not resonating with us. And we finally started resonating with something located in this Assembly of God church. And um, not long after that... We started, well, at least me, I should say, I'll speak for me. Maybe I'll interview Marcus one of these days. But for me, I started becoming so hungry for what these people believed God could do and that he wanted to do in me. That I didn't need to be the top of the line in leadership to be co-laboring and And doing God's work with him. It was fascinating to me. It was crazy, but I was willing to allow my wonder and curiosity far outweigh anything I was gonna get offended with. And trust me, there's plenty of theological places that I'd be like, I just don't think that. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh. And I'd have an experience that would completely shatter everything I thought to be true. And leave me in these like shambles of like, okay, God, you did this to me. And I thought this and now I'm completely wrong. So give me a grid for this new thing. And that became my life for the next few years. I, I'm going to rush through some things that I can imagine everybody's going to want a deeper story for. But in these in these formative years of the next phase of my life, I experienced radical instant healing from an eating disorder that I couldn't be counseled or medicated out of, I literally woke up one morning and heard the audible voice of Jesus say, you're healed. And the crazy thing about that story is it had been secret for so long, I couldn't even celebrate it properly, because celebrating would mean that I had to put it out there that actually, no, I hadn't been okay. And I did eventually, but he literally healed me when I wasn't even asking for it. And that was mind boggling to me. I experienced another radical healing from, um, I suffered from at the time they called it vestibular migraines. I would have these horrible, horrible spells of vertigo that I could be bedridden for days and would have massive, massive, massive panic attacks. Completely delivered by that another audible voice. I'm telling you, this really happens. Don't take your meds; you're healed. I knew it was Holy Spirit then. I know I'm introducing a lot of a lot of crazy thoughts right now, but I'm just saying this is what happened to me. And I chucked the pills, which were um, beta blockers that you need to wean off, and I'd been on them for a year. And it was a known side effect that it could cause like heart palpitations. I knew this and I threw away the pills and I never suffered a side effect. And I never suffered from vestibular migraines ever again. Um, I also had an encounter. Oh my gosh. There's so many um, that I was in church one Sunday and pastor was preaching and I don't know if this has ever happened to any of the rest of you, but I heard him say something that he later said that he didn't know if he said. (laughs) But I heard him look at me in the middle of a sermon and he made eye contact with me. If he meant to, I don't know. But I heard him say, and if God says quit your job, quit your job. And I heard the Lord say, I'm asking you to quit your job. I went and quit my job the next day, I put in 60 days. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And one of the most fruitful obedience experiences I've ever had. It taught me to listen and trust the voice of God, even in the hard things, knowing that when we release what we believe is good, we open our hands to what he has that is best. And I left the corporate world to go become mom. And that was single-handedly like another hinge into a new season. I did not realize how much brokenness in my story I had for having my children and not being there to parent them in the first years of their life. There was a lot, a lot of hurt there. And the Lord came in and healed my heart. And by healing, my heart actually healed my marriage because I had, I'd I held a lot of bitterness in the whole situation um, and unjustly like held Marcus accountable for some things in it. And then in this space of being thrown into motherhood, I was invited into a women's uh, Bible study group by actually my pastor's uh, daughter-in-law. And this woman saw something in me and encouraged something in me that I am eternally grateful for. I have so many people on my path that because they stopped for me, they altered my destiny to be right in line with what God had in store. And I remember and I have a journal entry the first day she said, "Lindsay, I'm going to be gone. Would you mind leading and would you mind leading everybody in prayer?" And my journal entry goes on to say, "A Lutheran praying out loud. She has no clue. I don't pray outside of my private time with the Lord. This isn't happening." And yet just like quitting my job, I sensed the invitation of the Lord and said yes. And that first time, I believe in 2016, no, 2015, 2015, I led a women's group, completely unqualified, completely unaware, completely young in any form of intimate relationship with Jesus. And this, this gal believed in me and something happened, something else, some other puzzle piece snapped in place right then. And um, this group of women really pushed me to go after, after things. And there's another story of, of um, a breakthrough in pain and suffering that's actually in the next episode. So I'm not going to address this. But I had another huge breakthrough then in small group, I believe like that November, December. And then come February, um, I was in the Wisconsin Dells and like God has done so many times in my life, wasn't praying for anything to happen. And one night I wake up in a vision of angels in my hotel room, but they're in my room and also in what I could see was what I believed heaven. Like I could see the dual reality of being in my hotel room, but I could look out of the ceiling into heaven. And these angels were coming into my room and into heaven. And I looked at me, you guys, it sounds amazing. So amazing again, talking about it. I can see it like clear as day that I'm sitting there, but I can also see me sitting next to me. And I'm aware that it's me me and my body, but then spirit me, which I also want to stop for a second. I didn't know any of these spiritual truths when this took place. I am literally telling you what I saw before I had any grid for any of this. And maybe some of you listening don't have a grid, but I'm telling you, you don't have to understand or ask for things for God to come and move in your life. You you don't even need to know that they existed for him to move. So I'm I'm in this vision, and I'm aware that I'm looking at me, and the the physical me that's looking at the the spirit me, is watching spirit me talk in a language that I've never heard before, but I understand, and I remember being aware of I I am speaking that language, but I don't know that language, and yet I understand that language, and it feels, it feels familiar, and. I start speaking it with spiritual me and at some point this vision goes out. I'm sitting in my hotel room like totally freaked out and amazed all at the same time. It's three o'clock in the morning. I have the date written down. I know it's February 2016 and we had adjoining rooms with my parents and my sister and brother-in-law. So I go into like the little shared kitchen living room area and my mom happened to be awake and she's like, what are you doing? I find it incredible that she was awake. I think that was ordained. I was like, okay, so this is what just happened. And I, <laughs> my mom was like, that sounds amazing. Uh, you should talk to your pastor about it. It sounds like a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Like what in the absolute heck is a baptism in the Holy Spirit? I didn't ask for that. I don't even know what that is. So we get home from Wisconsin Dells. I actually don't remember who else I shared this with. And I, I literally drove to my church, went into my pastor's office and was like, this happened to me. What the heck happened to me? And subsequently, um, I become discipled in the fact that I, God, for whatever reason, decided to meet me in this way. And I received the gift of tongues, um, I still at this point have no grit or context for what it is, but because God gave it to me, I just started using it. Figured, why not? So before anybody gave me like a scriptural or theological reference to what I had, I just figured if God gave it to me, it's got to be cool. And it felt familiar. So let's go for it. And started speaking in tongues quite often, all the time, really. And would I... This is so many more stories. I'll just say that life got really cool. So I'm speaking in tongues all the time. feel like it's like this cool little thing. You know, God gave it to me and didn't even ask for it. Feeling really cool about this. And then I want to say very, I think like in tandem with all this, I was also um, co-leading worship, which at this church, I-, I was never singing a song alone. I was always harmonizing. But was up at part of the leadership team, uh, which again, another story for how God redeemed music in my life, but was part in this redemption process of singing, and baptismal Sunday was coming up. And I remember having that moment with the Lord and really feeling this invitation to get baptized. And I was like, I am not doing this again. I was baptized as a child. I did it, Check the list. This doesn't need to happen again. And it was a really big spot of contention with me um, and the rest of my friends in church, as well as just God himself, that how dare anybody think I need to get baptized again. Um, Get led into this, like... (laughs) experience where I felt the need to basically write like a college, uh, final exam paper on why I don't need to get baptized again. And after spending a week going through the scriptures and poring over the history of infant baptism, realized there was actually nothing in scripture to support my argument with believing that my baptism was in fact what God was asking me to do. And I'm telling you my story. Again, I know this can be super offensive for people. I am not going to judge or affirm anybody's decisions when it comes to these like these big things. But I do believe that if God is is pushing at something or inviting you into a conversation about baptism... Go there with him, and go there with him with all your questions, with all your tradition, with all your understanding, and be open-minded. That's that's one thing I ask. I came to the conclusion I wasn't getting baptized that Sunday, but I was on worship team, so I was on the stage as they were getting everyone lined up for baptism. And in this church that I was a member at the time, um, we did the big full immersion. So the big bath tank was up at the front. There was probably, I don't know, like 10 people. And the stage was probably three and a half, four feet off the ground. Like, well, that's probably tall three. Let's say three, three and a half. And we're getting ready to sing. Oh, come to mm-hmm. the father's arms are open wide. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And right around there, I get totally apprehended by the Lord again. And not audible voice, but that, that internal speaking voice that's not, it's not your thoughts. It's, it is a, it's a louder thought than anything that you have in a recognizable voice. I hear Lindsay. Whether you're right or wrong about your theology... If I asked you to get baptized, would you do it for me? It was the sweetest, kindest voice. And I turned around and handed my microphone to the person next to me and jumped off the stage and went and got baptized. And March 13th, 2016 was when everything changed to an accelerated, incredible degree. And we're going to stop there for today. And we'll continue tomorrow with the introduction of who this chick is and what she's up to. Thank you for listening today. I hope you have found places in your thinking or belief systems that have been encouraged, challenged, or my hope, quite frankly, introduced to completely new concepts. You want to stay connected? Visit me at my website at known to be known. That's the number two and a little b.com. You can go there to be a part of the blog or to submit to be a member so that when new podcasts and new blogs are released, you're the first to know about it. Can't wait to see you next time.